Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we have two guests who discuss how they found authenticity and wholeness in God. First, we speak with Sadie Robertson, star of ABC's Dancing with the Stars and also A&E's Duck Dynasty. Sadie shares her journey of finding freedom through being real and vulnerable to God and to others. She is passionate about speaking and writing in the hopes of encouraging others to embrace who they really are. Her latest book is entitled Live Fearless and Walk in Confidence of Freedom. I'm Sadie Robertson, and I am really and truly just a follower of Jesus. I have been able to do a lot of cool things um, only because God's opened some really cool doors, and I'm just walking in that, and it's been a really fun journey so far. I grew up in West Monroe, Louisiana. Probably never heard of it because truthfully, there really are more chickens than humans. That is like a fact, I'm pretty sure. Um, My family, we actually grew up running a small business called Duck Commander, which a lot of people know now as Duck Dynasty. It was definitely not a dynasty when we were younger. We had this business running out of our garage. So we would make duck calls and package t-shirts and I would answer the phone calls. And yeah, it was a very country lifestyle in a little small town in Louisiana. It's really funny actually to think back to hopes and dreams when I was a child because I definitely went through wanting to do a lot of different things. But whenever I was five years old, I started preaching on my table at my house. I would stand up on the table and I would preach to my parents and I would just tell them how God loves them and He has a plan for them and all these different things. And at the time when I was five years old, that was already kind of what I just loved to do. And my dad nicknamed me. Well, actually, it's kind of funny because my dad had a nickname for everyone, like all my friends, all my family, but not me, which made me really mad. And so I was like, Dad, I want a nickname so bad. And finally he said, well, Sadie, you are just the original. That's just, you're just the original. So he started calling me the original. And so as time goes on now, of course, everything I do is my brand is Live Original. And that's because when I was young, that's what my dad nicknamed me because of my passion to speak. Definitely a mix of fun times and challenges whenever you grow up and all of a sudden you have a reality TV show. Um, I think that at first we didn't really realize any of the challenges. It was all fun because we were just in West Monroe, Louisiana. So I really was protected from knowing um, the extent of how big Duck Dynasty had blown up. Because in West Monroe, since we had been there since we were young, nobody was bothering us. And I wasn't going out, my parents were, but they always kept that shielded from us and I didn't have a public Instagram or anything. So I really didn't know. And then I think the challenges came from um, whenever I got asked to be in Dancing with the Stars, that's whenever things took a turn for me because going out to Hollywood and all of a sudden getting a public Instagram, all of a sudden overnight, like two million people know your face or following your lifestyle, it, it was weird. And so I think the biggest challenge for me was trying to like find privacy. And it was like, I felt like it was just like everything had to be public. But then like, of course, as time goes on, Um, and really with the help of my family. And I think that goes back into the fun part of it, doing it with my family. We were able to help each other through these like weird things we all were individually going through because we all took it different. But it was really cool to do it all together because we got to help each other through it. But yeah, it was, so I say it was challenging, but really even the challenges were kind of fun because we worked it out together as a family. Reality TV definitely, stereotypically people go crazy families are destroyed and the truth is whenever um 
Doug Dynasty started, our family, we had a lot of family meetings, a lot of like, hey, like if it gets to this point, we're out. If it gets to this, if this happens, we're out. And we stuck to that. Even um, there was one point in the show that they tried to take our prayer out. And my pedophile said, if you take the prayer out, we will not film TV. You can come and you can put your cameras up, but we will not speak. And like he, we pulled out and of course then they put the prayer in and so I think that with our family we all fought together like we all were on the same page on what we wanted the end result to be um, because we know it's 15 minutes of fame it's gotta go away this is not what our family this is not like the prime time of our family's whole life no we've been a family forever this is a small glimpse of who our family really is. And so just keeping that perspective all together and talking about it helped a lot. But I'll never forget um, the first season that we were filming, actually the pilot, there were some producers there and my uncle Jace overheard them talking and they said, man, we just, we really hate to do this to this family because another good family is gonna be destroyed. And he shared that with us right after he heard that. And we were so determined to like not let that be our family. Um, but I think all of us individually too had to work really hard. I remember what changed for me and uh, kind of keeping me grounded and keeping me like, I guess my perspective, my posture right, is whenever I was starting to fall. And as far as like, not go crazy on the outside, but crazy on the inside. Like I was starting to get really anxious and it really bothered me, this fame. I didn't really want it. I was like, I don't really want people to know who I am. I don't, like, I didn't ask for this. And you kind of get mad and you get bitter and it's dramatic, but it's real. And I remember I went to this summer camp and it was really good for me. And I had this kind of cry out to God. I was like, God, why? did you make me famous? Because I think you chose the wrong person. I don't think I'm supposed to be a famous person. I don't look like any of these other teenage girls. I don't act like any of these other teenage girls. Am I supposed to look like them? Because I don't. And I just had this like whole moment. And I just remember so clearly the Lord speaking to me and saying, Sadie, I don't need you to be another famous person. I need you to be a sister and a friend to people who don't have a sister and a friend. When people see your page, I don't even want them to see you. I want them to see me and the, my character. And I was like, ooh, wow, that really did change everything for me. And I know like people can say that to me or, or my parents could say that to me, but it really took me asking God, God, I need you to show me what you see in this because right now I'm just not seeing it. And I had to have that real moment for things to, for me to be able to walk on and do it the way I guess I've done it and the way my family's done it. And I think we have all had that moment. My mom shared with me hers and she got down on her knees and stuff. And I think that sometimes it's like, even though you're a family and it's important to listen to your family, on top of that, it really is important to, to ask God, what do you see? And that changed the game for me. God wants to create our weaknesses. Like He wants to take our weaknesses and allow them to become a strength for the kingdom of God. And I think the only way He can do that is if you give that up and you give that to Him. The truth is, what's happening with social media is like, it's disguising itself as like the most connected world ever, but we're really the most separate, separated than we've ever been because it's so, it's not real. Like it's not, real and whenever you look to something that's not real and that's perfect and you try to be that and you're never going to get that it just causes so many problems and uh, i think that through through words through writing through the things that the lord has walked me through and really taking my the pain from my past and turning it really into my passion and the things to talk about has not only been a huge thing for me to like 
press on, but for other girls to press on. I think people are truthfully going to walk away from Live Fearless fearless. Like, I really mean that. I don't think it's just a book at all by any means. I think that it is um, kind of the push and the movement to their walk in freedom. Um, because what it is, is it's giving you a way to walk. It's actually showing you. It's giving you verses to declare over your life. It's giving you the right words to say to fear, to, to get it out. It's not one of those like, oh, you know, maybe you'll become fearless if you do this. Like, no, you will become fearless because in the name of Jesus, fear has got to go. And so it's, it's just direct. It's straight on. It's real. It's my story. But when people read my story, truthfully, I feel like they're not even going to think it's me. They're going to be thinking it's them because it's so real. <laughs> Most of the time, the things that I write about or the things that I talk about are the thing I'm walking in right then, and I have to speak that over myself because I'm trying to get through it too. And I think it's important girls know that too. I think that to me, and I've quoted this a lot, but I always say, stop praying for your situation to change and pray for your heart to change. Your situation may never change. It's all about your heart posture. Walking into any situation with a joyful heart, it'll carry you through. That's Mary-Kate, my sister-in-law's main message, is walking into a joy-filled life. My sister-in-law now, Mary-Kate, she used to be my best friend in high school, and her sister Kelly, every Saturday, I would spend the night with them, and her dad would read us a Jesus Calling uh, message the next morning. And it was always really powerful, and it was always really just something consistent that her father would do in, in rooting the Word in our hearts and in our lives. But I think that this whole joy-filled thing, walking in, even uh, going back to Mary-Kate being the friend that introduced me to it, I think that the reason that she's there now is because of the things that she's really dove into in the Word and finding that that sustainability that's carried her through. And because she knows the Word of God is constant, He is the only constant thing that, ever, that may ever be in our life. Um, has really allowed her to find joy. And so I tell her story because her story is, was the most impacted from Jesus Calling, I think. Sadie shares a favorite passage from March 17th in Jesus Calling and tells us why it's meaningful to her. Nothing in all creation can separate you from my love. Pause and ponder what an astonishing promise this is. You live in a world where separations abound. Wives from husbands, children from parents, friends from friends, childhood dreams from adult realities. But there is one terrible situation you will never have to face, and that is the isolation from my loving presence. I want you to cling to me with tenuous confidence. This gives you strength to cope with the uncertainties of living in such a broken, unsustainable world. Anxious thoughts can assault your mind and fill you with fear if you forget that my love will never fail you. When you find yourself feeling afraid, grasp my hand in childlike trust. Rest in my protection and my presence, and remember that perfect love drives out fear. The greatest wealth on earth is minuscule compared with the riches of my boundless love. Yet this is my free gift to all who follow me. How priceless is your unfailing love. I think that that is spot on because um, my prayer is always when I would get afraid is hide me in the shadow of your wing, God. Just hide me in the shadow of your wing. And even just knowing that you never have to face isolation, you because that's like one of the biggest fears ever. Just resting in the amount of love that is in the shadow of that wing and knowing that somebody's there and not only there but covering you has always been the thing that I've had to remind myself of. So this really could not be more spot on. To find out more about Sadie Robertson's new book, Live Fearless, please visit liveoriginal.com. We'll have more of the Jesus Calling podcast after this brief message from Audible. 
As a special offering to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version, and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now, on to the second half of our show. Our next guest is Toure Roberts, an author, speaker, producer, and founder of The Potter's House at 1LA one of the fastest-growing churches in Los Angeles. Ture was raised by a single mom, narrowly escaping the trappings of inner-city life and finding success in corporate America. He shares his own transformational journey toward wholeness, which he has written about in his new book, Wholeness, Winning in Life from the Inside Out. My name is Torre Roberts, and I am uh, I'm a pastor and, uh, and an author. I pastor uh, two churches, uh, they're both Potter's House churches. One is in Los Angeles. Uh, the other is in Denver, Colorado. I'm the senior pastor of both. And uh, I write books. I love uh, leaders and leadership. And I'm passionate about this new book called Wholeness. I think it's an important work for, uh, for our time. I am a California native. I was uh, born in Oakland, California, but uh, was raised in Los Angeles, um, and in particular, South Los Angeles, a, a community called Watts, which is uh, only a couple of square miles. But um, at the time that I was growing up there, there was so much uh, crime um, concentrated in that small area that um, that there was really no way to avoid being witness to some of the things that took place there. Uh, I was raised by my mom. Uh, she was a single parent. Uh, my father, I had a limited interaction with. They weren't married when when I came uh, into being. And so my mom had to single-handedly raise a son in a tough neighborhood like that uh, and work and climb up the corporate ladder. And, uh, and she did uh, a really good job, particularly with the tools that she had. And uh, I met Christ when I was nine. My understanding of him was very limited. Uh, it was just that he died on the cross at a place in heaven. And if I got in trouble, he would bail me out. And so it would be much later that I went on a deeper journey, uh, which has kind of led me to the moment that I'm at now. You know, my mom was really super smart. And uh, she knew that, you know, based on where she was financially at the time, she couldn't necessarily move us uh, entirely out of that area, but she could send me to places that would expose me to, you know, other things, other uh, diversity and culture and art. Uh, I remember her sending me to USC. They had a uh, a summer program for youth, youth, and so I would I was literally I taught the guitar by this awesome professor there on campus, and so I mean she would send me to great summer camps and ultimately to private school. So she had a strategy, she sent me to a private Christian military school in Long Beach where I was uh, not only uh, exposed to a wide variety or a wider variety of people, but just to, to become a disciplined young man and uh, and also it was Christian, so it was very principle-based and, um, and it was awesome. You know, I loved, uh, I, I loved music. Uh, I love to, to draw, uh, and it was funny, at a really young age, I, uh, I had this vision of being a child psychologist. 
and uh, I don't know why, and, and I didn't necessarily pr pursue that uh, in school. But, uh, but it's funny now, you know, fast forward all these years and I, I have an opportunity to, to speak truth and minister messages like wholeness uh, to God's children. So, you know, you're always a little closer to purpose than you think. You know, God puts it on the inside at an early age. My background is business uh, and I worked uh, before uh, being in ministry, I worked in corporate America for 11 years uh, in uh, the technology sector, uh, in the capacity of marketing uh, and sales. And, uh, and I found myself being uh, successful outside. And so I had a vibrant and robust social life. Um, you know, for my age in particular, my finances were really, really strong. Um, I, I had this trajectory for, you know, financial and social success, but inwardly, I was empty. I was broken. Uh, I didn't like uh, who I was. I was proud. Uh, and arrogant. And so, you know, there, there came a point in my life, you know, a lot of people meet God when they're down and when they're broken. It wasn't like that for me. I was, uh, I was broken inwardly, but not outwardly. And so I began to seek the God that I embraced when I was nine years old. And, uh, and after a series of, of events over a seven month period, you know, the message was clear. You know, I know that you believe in God, but now you need to surrender to God. You know, one of the chapters in the book I talk about, it's called Thou Shalt Know Thy Patterns. And uh, and we all have patterns. We, we Oftentimes we look at what we do, but we don't look at why we do them. And I can recall a time in my life, and I actually talk about it in the book, where, you know, I finally reached a certain, uh, you know, financial level where I could afford a very expensive watch. And so my gift to myself was this really expensive watch. And I would find myself uh, not leaving out the house unless I had on this watch. If I were, if I was going to the cleaners or somewhere and I, you know, had on sweats or whatever, I would put on this watch. And one day I just really had to be introspective and say, Torre, why do you why are you wearing this watch? I mean, it's a nice watch, great for nice occasions, but you're going to the cleaners and you got on sweats. And as I begin to really drill down and ask the question why, I realized that I had a fear of people thinking that I was poor and, uh, and, and I didn't want to be rejected or, you know, I live in an affluent area and I didn't want to feel, I wanted to feel like I, I fit in. And so here in was something that seemed really simple and normal. Hey, what's wrong with putting on a nice watch? Well, there's nothing wrong with putting on a nice watch unless you are finding your sense of adequacy in it. You know, am I less uh, worthy or less lovable or less of a person, a beautiful person, if I don't spend, you know, this money on myself. And so, so brokenness thrives in all of our blind spots, you know, even when it comes to, you know, um, you know, right now in our culture, you know, there, you know, uh, there's a lot of division in our culture and some of it, um, you know, rides on racial lines and different things. And, and, uh, and, you know, I think on every side of that argument, you know, the reality is sometimes maybe we are what people accuse us of. You know, it's we are the hardest people to see. We can see everyone else and make comments and and uh, judgments about everyone else. But the only person that we cannot fully see is us. 
And so, again, I think that that's why, you know, the message in wholeness is important because it challenges you to look within and maybe just maybe you'll discover something that you could not see on your own that was actually a sabotaging element to the future that, uh, that God wants you to live. Ministry was really just an organic uh, outpouring and overflow of what was happening in my life personally. Uh, and then being a business person, I said, well, I need to, it's obvious God's hand is on me. You know, I'm in this church, I'm growing very fast. You know, when you're young and you're on fire, the pastor puts you over just about every ministry. You know? and, uh, and I said, you know, how can I facilitate this gift and this calling in a way that can reach more people? And, uh, and the end result was ultimately planting a church that became the Potter's House. I have a saying, uh, no, the word no is anointed, you know, and, and you can't even have the word anoint without no. So <laughs> wholeness has been a message I've been teaching and preaching for, you know, the past five years or so in one capacity or another. And I thought that I was going to go away and sit down and write this book about what I knew about wholeness. I get there and God begins to reveal areas of brokenness that I didn't even know I had. And so, so the process of writing wholeness was another level of personal wholeness for me. I cried like a baby every chapter of the book. And, uh, and I, uh, you know, in, in Christendom, uh, and I'm generalizing, but, but oftentimes we um, we set the standard high, and I think that we should set the, set the standard high, but sometimes we set it so high that we are afraid to really take a look uh, within. We're, we're celebrated and rewarded for our accomplishments, for how long we've been married. God bless God, we've been married for 50 years, which I think is absolutely incredible. But here's the reality, 50% of marriages end in divorce. I'm not happy about that, but that's reality. And, and the reasons are, are plenteous, which means that in church, you gotta look at half, and, and the numbers, by the way, do not uh, skew up or down Christian versus secular, which means that in your congregation, in the church, you've got people who have been divorced, you've got people who are remarried. And, you know, I found that, you know, no one talks about these things. And, 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 you know, I think that there, you know, and again, I'm generalizing and speaking from a limited perspective, but I just think that there was a lack of content in the Christian world about being self-aware about, uh, you know, inviting God in to heal your brokenness. Uh, I, I don't, I didn't hear it talked about enough. I think that, you know, we want everything to be perfect and, you know, God willing, one day it will be, but sometimes it's the very thing that you want to hide that if it gets healed and you overcome it, it becomes what makes you a really powerful and effective force in the earth. Teray and his wife, Sarah Jakes Roberts, are co-pastors in their growing church and are intent on putting their family first. Teray shares how they balance their time serving others and taking care of their family. We are extremely busy. We live in both uh, California and Colorado. Our kids are in school uh, here in Colorado. And, uh, and for us, we make, we prioritize our life. You know, people look at us and they say, wow, you're busy. And, and some may, you know, consider it successful. But what they don't know is that if our marriage gets in trouble or our kids need us, we will put guest speakers in both campuses for six months straight if necessary, because we, we have, we, we've learned to prioritize things. You know, we both, you know, went through divorces 
uh, in our past and our history. And one thing that we knew going in is that this is going to be forever. We're not going to make a decision about being together if we don't think that this is what God is doing and we are uh, committed to walk this thing out forever. So we prioritize. We obviously love each other and our marriage is for us, but we also recognize that there are millions of people that are counting on us being the healthiest versions of ourselves and having the healthiest marriage. So for us, it's priorities, priorities, priorities. We don't have, you know, we've had to cancel meetings, you know, I, you know, you, you know, you always want to be a man of your word, you know, and, um, and I've backed out of some things that, you know, and of course I, you know, compensated so that no one would suffer any sort of financial loss. But, you know, at the end of the day, my marriage, uh, my kids, they take precedent and priority over all the things that we have going on. Charay describes how spending time with Christ daily is key to finding wholeness, and he explains how Jesus Calling by Sarah Young can usher us into time spent with the one who will ultimately bring wholeness to our lives. The daily discipline of spending time with the Lord is everything. We can't be changed, we can't be transformed unless we spend time with Him. Uh, And the way that Sarah is able to break it down and to really uh, bring information and wisdom in a devotional context that reaches people of all ages and in all stages is absolutely brilliant. You know, I think that the journey to wholeness, a lot of it has to do with spending time with the Lord who in him you are already whole. And uh, so I think it's a brilliant work. I'm so grateful that it's done so well. And I think it's really a huge part. And I think it ties into the message of wholeness. I've got to spend time with the one who has my wholeness in his hands, who is Jesus. If I were sitting across from a person who had just a challenging past and the things just seem so rough and the issues seem insurmountable, uh, the first thing that I would tell them is that the fact that you have breath in your body right now is a sign to you that God is not finished with you. Um, there is a passage in Jeremiah 29 11, we've, we all know it. It says, for I know, this is God speaking, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And so the fact that you are breathing means that you have a future. It doesn't take away the fact that things happened to you in the past, but God has a way of working all things together for good. Uh, There's a passage in the Bible uh, in one of the letters of John where he says, for this purpose, Jesus was manifest that he might destroy the works of the adversary. Anything that has happened to you in your past, God killed it on the cross. And, And you can, you know, the, you know, he who knew no sin became sin. Jesus became sin and he crushed sin in his body and he, ra- he was raised victorious, meaning that in him you are victorious. And so, so if it's a mistake that you have made, you're going to have to forgive yourself. Jesus says, I don't even remember it anymore. So if Jesus isn't thinking about it, why are you? You know, uh, one of the things I talk about in the book is about the danger of regret and uh, regret, you know, uh, remorse is fine, but regret is different. Regret has a sense of finality and it. it has a sense of death. You know, it's I'm forever in prison because of this thing and anything that does not have life and does not point you towards the future. God is not in. And so I would say hang in there. Um, you know, press into God, lean into God, lean into his promises, because he can take even that mess and turn it into something. He can give you beauty 
for those ashes. To find out more about Tere Roberts' new book, Wholeness, Winning in Life from the Inside Out, please visit areyouwhole.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we visit with the First Lady of Louisiana. Donna Edwards took a cue from her fellow First Lady in Tennessee and found out about a program that allows special editions of Jesus Calling books to be distributed to local prisons. She took it upon herself to personally take copies of Jesus Calling to women at the Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women, bringing a message of hope and encouragement to many who felt forgotten. She talks about the experience. When I opened that door to the cafeteria and I stepped inside and 150 women who were in prison stood up and applauded the fact that I stepped into their life that day, it was the most humbling experience. I can't even explain it. You know, it still sometimes shocks me, um, you know, because I'm just one of an ordinary person just like you and anybody else that's listening. And, and I know after visiting with them, um, we were a sign of hope for them. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.